Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information. Welcome to Holy Talk Podcast. I am Daniel Ortiz. I'm Tuli Weiss. Shalom, my friends. Shalom, shalom, Rabbi Tuli. Um, listen, uh, how are you doing? How is Israel doing? And again, we just wish we were spending this high holidays with you in Israel, uh, but we are in the United States and you in Israel. How is Israel doing these days? Well, it's literally, I would say day by day, but it seems to be minute by minute. Everything is always, uh, seems to be changing very rapidly. Um, the corona, where we're, you know, the coronavirus is getting out of hand here in Israel. Um, it's, it's getting out of hand over, you know, every day it breaks new records, unfortunately. 6,000 people, over six, I think almost 7,000 wow. were diagnosed yesterday. 7,000 people in one day. Yeah, I mean, it used to be 7D. It used to be 7D. So it's, um, it's definitely not in the right direction. And um, there's a full lockdown right now, but there are some exceptions and they're talking about getting rid of some of those exceptions and like, you know, really, really trying to do more to keep everybody safe and healthy. So please pray for Israel and we'll pray for you in America that um, everyone should just be healthy. I know, you know, we're talking to somebody in England today and she was saying that they got lockdowns in England. So Boy, it's all over the world still. We're still talking about this here. We, we've been talking about it all year, Rabbi Tuli. And and yes, uh, all, especially all those new, we, we got so many new folks listening to us, Rabbi Tuli, that I just want to take this time to tell everyone that, that joins us, you know, we believe in praying for the peace of Jerusalem, but pray for the peace on the people in Jerusalem, right? Not only for the peace uh, uh, over Jerusalem, over Israel, but, but also the, the people, the peace to be on the people, because I know um and pray for folks all over the world you know what i mean that that they get this internal peace rabbi tuli uh because it's difficult when it becomes chaotic and everything around us is going crazy man you can lose your sanity in, in, in this environment you know and so we just need peace now more than ever and so those who are joining us please pray uh, not only for your city but pray for jerusalem pray for rabbi tuli um and rabbi tuli i didn't do this before last time because uh we kept on getting a little bit cut off um, but we want to make sure we get your uh, email out in the end of this because I know I know especially some of the new folks want to get a hold of you, um, and so yes, we we have to pray now more than ever. Right, sure, yeah. My email is Rabbi Tuli at Israel365.com. R a b b i t u l y at Israel365.com. Love hearing from people, and um, and Danny, your Holy Talk podcast at gmail.com so you can always uh hit us up if you have topics uh i know the next one we're going to talk about the calendar because folks really wanted to learn about the calendar uh but topics like that we want to hear the topics from you so uh holy talk uh podcast at gmail.com and we have such a great topic to talk about today which leads me to this thing there's so many questions on sukkot right uh rabbi tuli and so we're going to jump into it uh and tell us about Sukkot. Tell, tell us about, well, you guys are going into Yom Kippur. Then after Yom Kippur is, is Sukkot. Uh, we talked about Yom Kippur in the last podcast, Rabbi Tuli. And uh, a lot of folks are just learning and growing. Uh, what does Sukkot mean? Uh, some of us see it as a, a Feast of Tabernacle because the Bible tells, uh, the, the Torah speaks about the, the Feast of Tabernacle. So I'm, I'm going to leave it for you, Rabbi Tuli. 
All right, well, we'll just pick up from where we left off. Last time we were learning Leviticus 23, and there it talks about Rosh Hashanah. There it talks about Yom Kippur, and it also speaks about the next holiday on the calendar is Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. So, so let's open our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 33, when God spoke to Moses saying, say to the children of Israel on the 15th day of this seventh month, there shall be the festival of Sukkot to Hashem to last seven days. The first day shall be a sacred occasion. You shall not work at your occupations. And seven days you shall bring offerings by fire to Hashem. On the eighth day you shall observe a sacred occasion and bring an offering by fire. It is a solemn gathering. You shall not work. So we have a seven-day, actually an eight-day holiday. There's, it's, there's the way that we observe it, that there's one, Sukkot is a seven-day holiday, and then on the last day, on the eighth day, there's another festival, a separate but connected fast festival. And then it keeps going, and it says that in verse 39, that on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the yield of your land, you shall observe the festival of Hashem to last seven days, a complete rest on the first day, and a complete rest on the eighth day. So again, a seven-day holiday, but then an additional day. And then it says that on the first day, you shall take the product of the beautiful Hadar trees, the branches of the palm trees, the boughs of the leafy trees, the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before Hashem your God for seven days. So there are the four species that are mentioned here in verse 40. And um, and then finally, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. It keeps going and it says that you shall observe it as a festival of Hashem for seven days in the year. You shall observe it in the seventh month as a law for all time throughout the ages. For all time, you know, not just in the desert, not just uh, when the temple was standing, but for all times, you shall live in booths for seven days. And the word in Hebrew for booths is Sukkot. Okay, Sukkot. So, so that's the name of the holiday. We get it from these temporary dwelling places that they built for the holiday. All citizens of Israel shall live in booths in order that future generations may know that I made the children of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I, Hashem, your God. And then finally, so Moses declared to the Israelites the set times of Hashem. And that's the end of the chapter. And so the entire chapter 23 is describing this month that we're right in the middle of right now. Um, but it begins with Rosh Hashanah. It talks about Yom Kippur, which we described in our last podcast. If you didn't hear it, you could find it um, from last week. And then, and then it concludes with a lengthier description of the holiday of Sukkot. And there's a lot in here. There's, uh, there's a lot more than Rosh Hashanah, and there's a lot more than the description about Yom Kippur. So the first thing that um, is worth pointing out is that it mentions that you shall rejoice. A couple different times it says that you shall rejoice, and that's a, a, big, a big theme because Rosh Hashanah is not necessarily a joyful day. Um, it's a serious day, a day of coronating God as the king. Yom Kippur is the day of judgment, the day of affliction, like we spoke about last time, also a pretty heavy day. And then Sukkot is finally the, you know, that relief after the heaviness of the days of awe. So Sukkot is like this 
celebration, a party where, where you know, us and God are so close. And, um, and so we do things that demonstrate our super close relationship to God. We move out of our homes, out of the permanence of our homes. We subject ourselves to the elements. And in that way, we're physically demonstrating a trust in God by living in these temporary booths, the Sukkot. So, so time out, Rabbi Tuli. So those who are listening, like we, this is like way, way, way new. You, what do you mean by you live outside? What, what does that look like? What is that meaning of living outside of your house? I mean, do you have to build a new house? Do you just go outside in the grass? What, what is it? What, I mean, give us a picture of this um, and what it looks like so, so that, that, that people can know what, what we're talking about. Okay, well, I could, you know, it's funny, I could even like, while we're even talking, um, I could show you, I, I could show you what I, what I'm talking about. Because um, I know there's a description of it in scripture. Yeah, so. I think uh, it's, is it an Exodus or, uh, I read it sometime this weekend, where there was a description of what to build and how to build it. Mm -hmm. Well, um i'm just trying to show you there's i don't know if this is the best way of doing it but hey hey why not we'll give it a shot so if i'm i could do this this new we haven't ever done this i don't know why not let me share my screen for a second and um you can see this there's just an article i just googled uh and you can see this is what a, a sukkah looks like. You see this, Danny? I do. And we can put that link on our notes so that the people can see what it looks like. Yes, I do. Okay. So, so this is just, um, you know, a family sitting around the table in a sukkah with, a, you know, these walls made out of canvas and made out of wood. And then on top here, the roof is made out of leaves or branches. Um, you can see here the leaves and branches on the top and you can see the, you know, the walls that are just basically made out of uh, cloth and that's what a sukkah is. So we build, everybody builds this in their backyard. Wow. Um, and uh, I know that, you know, me and the kids will sleep outside and it's fun. The kids love it. You're supposed to live there like you live in your house. So just like you sleep in your house, you sleep in the sukkah, just like you eat in your house, you eat in the sukkah. And as much time as possible, you're supposed to basically be hanging out and uh, just enjoying yourselves in the in the sukkah. In the sukkah, man. I see. Uh, we're gonna put that in the link so that the folks can uh, see what one looks like. Uh, and and yeah, it looks like uh, for, for those who are listening to this, and it's 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 like Rabbi truly described it. You take wood and the, these sheets around, and then the top is grass uh, or leaves, or you know what I mean. It, it's it's. Uh, Unbelievable that you would spend a week there. Right. So here, I'm going to turn this off. Stop the share. Okay. Well, that was good. I could do that more often. That uh, is great. <laughs> so that's what we do. And then there's the four. Oh, that I should actually show everybody what the four the four species are. You know what these are? The, uh, and we'll go through those one by one. I'll show you an image of that as well, if I could find one real quickly. Um, the boughs of leafy trees, the willow of the brook. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the palm trees. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's great pictures. Wow. Google is, um, well, okay. here, I'll, uh, uh, sorry about that. But um, let's, let's here, I'll just do a screen share again, because it's much easier to see it than anything else. And um, all right, so here I just Googled, you know, the four species, Sukkot, and here you have a whole bunch of them. And you can yep. see the yellow lemon-like fruit is called an etrog, the fruit of the goodly tree. Um, and uh, actually, this looks like a good one. Yeah, here we go. This is a good one. Um, and all right, you can see that? Yep. All right, so um, so the lemon the, is the etrog. It's a citrus fruit, and it says here it symbolizes the heart. That's that's nice. That's true. Then you have this palm branch in the middle. Okay, the it's basically just like you know you could see them on a palm tree, um, mm -hmm. and that's called the lulav. Lulav. It symbolizes symbolizes the spine. And then we have here, we take the willow leaves that's here on the left. We take two willow leaves. It looks sort of like the shape of a mouth. And it's called in Hebrew, ara, aravot or arava. And then finally we have the myrtle, the myrtle leaves on the right side and it symbolizes the eyes. And basically when we bring all four of these together, it's sort of like we're coming together our whole body and mm. our heart, our spine, our mouth our eyes and in the service of god and um, those are the four species that we wave as it says here in chapter 23 verse 40 and um and um and we're that's what sukkot is so yeah we live outside we take these and it's like a very kind of ancient practice that we're still doing like it says here throughout the ages throughout the ages we're still doing it which is really a great way of not only connecting to god but really connecting with um all of you know jewish history in in so many ways yeah. like you know we're really like <laughs> i'm gonna move over to the we move over to the side of the screen here um you know doing the same things that our ancestors did from the time that God commanded Moses. It's a very exciting, I think even empowering idea. And, and we know, uh, Rabbi Tuli, to that point, that some other folks, like we see Solomon, right, in, in, in Second Chronicles, he celebrates this feast. Hezekiah also, we see in Second Chronicles 31. Um, and one of, the, one of my favorite stories when I was reading this week, uh, Rabbi Tuli, it's on this festival, which is the dedication of the temple when Solomon dedicated the temple. And I had a question for you with that. Um, is this something that you feel is going to be done when you dedicate the, 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 the next temple? Uh, would it be done at the same time? Um, because in, in first, as first Kings chapter eight is when Solomon, it says uh, Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribe and the chiefs 
And that's when they brought the tabernacle, right? Um, and, and it says in Solomon uh, in Jerusalem that they may might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is in Zion. Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with the king Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came and, and the priests took the Ark and then they brought up the Ark. And, and so here he goes and, uh, you know, they dedicate the temple and the, and the cloud comes in and the priest could not, uh, you know, could not even stand, continue to minister uh, because God had was, was it, they had built God's dwelling place. Uh, is that something that's going to be done at this same time uh, for the next temple to be built? Is that something um, or is this just a one time thing that happened here with Solomon? Yeah. So you're asking a great question. Um, it's it's really fascinating because the dedication of the first temple by Solomon it took place during the festival of the seventh month. It took place during Sukkot. However, um, however, we know that Solomon actually finished building it eleven months earlier, and he delayed the dedication ceremony to Sukkot. And a lot of people say, well, why is it that he waited? Like once it was ready. Why would he not already just, you know, inaugurate and dedicate and coronate, consecrate the temple and start using it immediately? Why did he wait a whole year, 11 months? And it was he wanted to wait till Sukkot because of the significance of Sukkot. And, um, and it, so what is the significance of Sukkot sort of on a more spiritual or even mystical level? And it does uh, have to do with uh, the future times because Sukkot in the Bible um, is maybe the only holiday that it tells us specifically how it was celebrated historically in the olden days, but also in the future, okay? And, um, and so if you look actually at Zechariah chapter 8, okay, it tells us what's going to be the commemoration of Sukkot in the future. It's really, really an important um, passage here that everybody should be familiar with. We love Zechariah chapter 8. Rabbi Tully, we love Zechariah. Yeah. Well, so then look what it says. Um, um, verse 19, is it? Verse six. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Danny. It's Zechariah chapter 14, 14. Verse, verse 16. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So look at, yeah, eight is also a jam. We love, we love, we love chapter eight. Yes, it's, 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 it's a jam pack. Well, you're going to love that. chapter 14. Wait till you hear what it says here. It's talking about in the future and the end of days where um, there's going to be this great war between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And it mm -hmm. says that they'll be fighting and be even fighting in Jerusalem. And, you know, again, this is already like a very, very deep, um, even hard to sort of follow chapter. Um, it's talking about this plague, right? A mm -hmm. plague that, you know, we can all relate to right now, unfortunately, um, boy, Maybe this is the plague that it's talking about. Wow. It says that it will be a plague that will also affect the people 
annual effect for the animals, okay? And verse 12, that's in verse 12 for those who, who are going, uh, 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 reading along with us in chapter 14. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like it's describing almost like a nuclear war in verse 12. You know, talk about, you know, a real, real vivid description of a terrible, terrible weapon. And then um, let's look at verse 16 here, where it says that all who survive, right, all who survive from this great war of all of the nations that came up against Jerusalem, all those enemies, basically, they shall make a pilgrimage year by year to bow low to the King Lord of hosts and to observe the festival of Sukkot. Wow, come on. And And then it, you know, and so it says in Zechariah that in the in the future, so the nations, those who basically survive, when everyone else doesn't survive, one way of demonstrating a love for God and a an obedience to the Lord is specifically by observing this holiday, this holiday of Sukkot. Yes. So, to, you know, to answer your question, yeah, there will absolutely be an important celebration of Sukkot, not only for Jews, but all of the nations. In the that's, what, that's what I love about this verse, Rabbi Truly. I was just going to point that out, that everyone who has left all the nations, right? And so now for those who listen to uh, that are that are on the Christian fronts, I would then take Zechariah 14 and study Revelations 11, 12, and 13. Study those together because it's almost word to word on what's happening here. But we know that all the nations will come together. And I love that it says, and they came, uh, and they came where? In Jerusalem, right? And so we know that all the, oh, we're going to worship together in Jerusalem. And every time I go to Jerusalem, uh, I always think of that, Rabbi Tuli, that in the end, we're all going to wind up there, right? We're all going to come to Jerusalem. And, and worship. Uh, that's that's power. And it should be whichever uh, families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts of them will be uh, uh, be no rain if you keep on reading it. But that's powerful, Rabbi Tula. Yeah. And if you look back, you know, we skipped over this, but back in chapter eight of Kings that you mentioned. So again, the dedication of the temple. So Solomon establishes the purpose of the temple when he dedicates it. He launches into a lengthy prayer and he says that God, you know, may this is the house of prayer for all nations. And I, you know, you know, please God, listen to our prayers. And here in chapter eight, like if you look at, um, you know, verse 38, where he says that God in any plague and in any disease and in any prayer or supplication offered by any person among your people, Israel, each of whom knows his own affliction, when he spreads his palm towards his house, towards this house, when there's a plague, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to turn our afflictions over to this house, the temple. And Solomon continues, oh, here in your heavenly abode, and pardon and take action, render to each man according to his ways, as you know his heart to be, for you alone are the heart of men, so that they may revere you all of the days that they live in the land, that you gave to our fathers, but not only to the 
people of Israel, Solomon continues, or if a foreigner who is not of your people Israel wow. comes from a distant land for the sake of your name, for they shall hear about your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when he comes to pray towards this house. Oh, here in your heavenly abode and grant all that the foreigner asks you for. Thus, all the people of the earth will know your name and revere you, as does your people Israel, and they will recognize that your name is attached to this house that I have built. Rabbi Tuli, that I, I, I know you just read that, but I'm going to read it again so that people can get it. And it's just such a powerful reading. Whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, listen to this, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands towards his temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to your fathers moreover concerning a foreigner who is not on you on you of your people israel but has come from a far country for your name's sake for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards this temple here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all which the foreigner calls to you that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. That is, that yeah. gets me excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would Solomon think? If he saw what's happening today, where you know tens of thousands, maybe even more, of non-Jews are in fact coming to celebrate Sukkot, I mean, I don't think that in his wildest dreams he would be able to imagine it. And Zechariah talks about how in the future the nations are going to come to Sukkot to Jerusalem, and and certainly in any normal year there are hundreds of thousands of Christians who come to. Jerusalem for Sukkot, exactly not, you know, as described by Zechariah, but because it's described by Zechariah. And, um, and so I think that, you know, it, it's, it's remarkable how we're living in this prophetic time. And uh, it's, it's even painful, though, that this year, we're not going to see that fulfillment in the same way. Um, because the tourists, the foreigners from outside of the land are not allowed in. No one's allowed in from outside of the land right now. And so you have this like really weird, really weird sort of like blockage of this prophecy, which I guess is a little frightening if you think about that. Yeah, but and then the hope is that it, you said it right, that we live in a prophetic time. So even if we can't do it now, that's the prayer. The prayer is to open up the gates, right? To get this pandemic and this plague, like the supplications, like hear from your dwelling place, God. And as, as, as our partners and those who are listening to us join together because this prophetic decree has to uh, come to pass. And so it can be next year, it can be the year after that, but we're hoping that there's coming a day prophetically that we're, the nations are gonna go and this temple will be built and, and God, the temple will be by his name, you know what I mean? 
and all the people, all the foreigners would come in Sukkot. And so let's pray uh, together that next year, this time, we can all be together in Israel celebrating and, and looking upon heaven and saying, our eyes are on you because you told us that we're going to come together um, and, and out this time and that your temple will be by your name. Absolutely. And there is the one thing that it looks like we can do. Look back at 38, verse 38, where it says, in any plague and in any disease and any prayer or supplication offered by any person among Israel, each of whom knows his own affliction. So what do we do when there's a plague and there's a disease? Spread your palm towards this house. That is something that no matter where you are, you could do. And that's what the Jewish people do, by the way. We, when we pray, we face Jerusalem. Every synagogue around the world is built facing Jerusalem. And, you know, so in America or in Europe, all of the synagogues are facing east towards Jerusalem. Countries like that are in, I guess, Russia or India or China, synagogues over there or Australia are facing west. All synagogues are facing towards Jerusalem. And, you know, so wherever you are, and when you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, you could spread your palm towards Jerusalem, towards the house, mm -hmm. towards the temple and the temple mount, and pray that the plague will end. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot here. Sukkot is a really, really loaded, loaded time. And again, it says in Leviticus 23, we got to rejoice on Sukkot. So even if there is this anxiety in the world and in our own homes, we got to make a decision to be happy, especially when it comes to Sukkot. That's what God wants from us, to give over our heart and to be celebrating and rejoicing in our heart during this special time. That's powerful. That's, amen. Uh, I love that. Spread your palm towards Jerusalem and pray for Jerusalem and pray that, and then rejoice as a part of worship and praise and rejoicing God. And, you know, as you guys share Yom Kippur, we're going to try to do Yom Kippur after that, you know, and we're going into Sukkot, go with that heart of praise and worship, go with that heart of David, read the Psalms when David and through his trials and through his, just looked up to the Lord and say, where's my, my help comes from the Lord. I, my eyes are lifted up and I'm going to worship God and praise God throughout this. I'm going to come into his courts with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise and, and bless his holy name. And so we're going to join you, Rabbi Tuli, and we're going to join uh, Israel and our Jewish brethren in rejoicing for seven days and just worshiping God and knowing that he's the only one that can take care of this plague. That's right. That's right. All right. Amazing. So... Let us know if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, send us an email and uh, stay tuned for our next episode of Holy Talk Podcast. Thank you, Danny, for always a exciting Torah study session. I'm, I'm, I'm beaming right now, Rabbi Tuli, because uh, it, it, was, it was really, really well. Good. Thank you, Rabbi Tuli. Shalom. Have a great time, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Shalom, my friend. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information.